crisis. Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen. Hello, I am Scott Allen, and thanks to my daughter Kate for developing the intro to the Practical Wisdom for Leaders podcast, where we offer a smart, fast-paced discussion on all things leadership. My guests help us explore timely topics and incorporate practical tips to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. If you haven't done so, please click subscribe so you automatically, seamlessly stay in the know when we publish new episodes. Likewise, please provide me with feedback. What do you like? What do you dislike? And what else would you like to know? And now, today's show. So today... I am really, really excited to have joining me Dave Rush from the University of Illinois, and he's an incredible guy. And so, Dave, I don't even know that I shared this with you, but I'm going to do it. So get ready. Sure. You know, when when I think of you, three words come to mind. And so I was reflecting about this on my my run today. And so laugh, because I always think of you as, I think of laughter when I think cool. of you. Prolific. You are a madman when it comes to writing and producing, which I see that was the laugh right there. Right. And you're prolific. <laughs> and, and curiosity. I mean, you, you are just uh, so curious about the world and specifically this topic. And so I think a great place to start would just be, uh, tell us a little bit about you and kind of your path getting here today. Sure. Sure. Well, thanks. For, thanks for the intro, Scott. Those are three yes. great words. Yes, I, they I, are, aren't they? I, I will definitely accept them. Those are all. all uh, those are compliments. Yes. Yes. For all your, all your guests, my name is Dave Rush. I'm a faculty member at the University of Illinois. I teach leadership classes. I run a leadership uh, research lab there. How I got to the show? Huh, let's see. How can I encapsulate <laughs> that? So so many so many potential answers. <laughs> What, what, what I'll, I'll, all right. So I'll, I'll start here. Uh, I have always been, you, you talked about curiosity, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have always been interested in how people learn to become better leaders. Great. Uh, le- leadership. It's a hard job. Uh, it's a hard thing. There are so many, we have so many more negative examples than we have positive examples. Uh, and my background, uh, has administratively been in higher ed. I've worked okay. on in colleges and universities for, uh, over two decades now and in, in, in my professional career, Almost all of those years, programming, putting on experiences for college students, both undergrads and, and older graduate students, uh, to help them become better leaders. And what I do now in my job is not just do that, but I also my research lab is focused on what are the types of things that lead people to become more effective in those programs? What, what has to happen in them that, that, that's going to make it a little bit more efficient uh, in terms of uh, cheaper, quicker? Like what, what's, what's most efficient and uh, what's best in terms of helping people become better leaders? So you and I have crossed paths, I think, professionally now for a number of years, and I'm, I'm excited to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. So tell <laughs> so I, no, I'm, I'm so excited to jump into this with you because obviously we've, we've talked at conferences, we've had a lot of conversations, but you know, tell us a little bit about what you're exploring right now. What, what are some things that you're learning, that you're passionate about? that keep you really cranking these articles out? Because like I said, you are prolific. And so I think I just asked you like five questions. <laughs> so well, 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 I'm going to start well, here. I'm going to start here. Yeah. <laughs> what are you working on now that's just kind of fascinating to you? 
Sure, sure. Oh, let's see. Well, I, I'll, I'll make a, a tentative stab at getting at, at maybe some overview uh, of, for all of the, the things that you threw out. And, and I'll, I'll get into some specifics right after that. So I have, I have a fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in my research and in the in in, in what's going on, we and as it relates to the leadership development of people in college. Sure. And my fear is that we're not doing anything that matters. Wow. Uh, okay. It is. It, it is. Uh, so, it, I believe. I firmly believe there is a non-zero chance that all we're doing in higher ed is separating the people who believe that they're already leaders from the people who do not believe that they're already leaders by conferring on them the official experience of a leadership development program that confirms their that that confirms their their thoughts for those folks and confirms their thoughts for the other folks. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and and I say that like you're asking me what what what's really interesting now. What I've gotten involved in over the just the past couple of years of my research is I, I see the need for longitudinal assessment of data. We want to we want to use data-driven processes in our curriculum development and, and the way that we 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 intentionally plan out our time and these developmental experiences and in the longitudinal research that I'm doing, it's it's beginning to show me that we're it's it's equivocal in terms of the the results that we're getting in that I think there there are large swaths of students that months after they go through this this experience that they say at the moment is transformational months later their their statistics at least the 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 data that they're showing us about uh, how they believe that they can lead their their confidence in leading their motivation to engage in the hard work of leadership uh, it's little different for a large group of these students than it was from bef- before they entered the program in the first place so so that's it's it's a fear that keeps me up at night we we spend 50 billion dollars on this leadership development uh, enterprise uh, in our, our data, I think the, the more rigorously you collect it, the less it shows uh, that we're having transformation as a field itself, as yeah. a field itself. So I don't want to say that all of our work is wasted. I'm just saying that, uh, the, the, that that's the fear that I have. And I'm trying to collect data and do research to, to see how, how deep that rabbit hole goes and, and what can we learn about best practices. What do you think it is? I mean, what's behind some of the statements you just made? Because I agree with you. That's that's a that's a scary thought. I I came across a quote once. It was from an anonymous executive at a at a large Fortune 500 corporation, and it went something like this. I used it in a paper, but it said, "I'm pretty sure we're losing about 50 cents on each dollar we're investing in training. I just can't tell which 50 cents." <laughs> Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> and so uh, talk to me. I mean, what are some of your hunches? Obviously, you might not have data to back all of this up, but but what are you thinking? And we've had some of these conversations and, and it's it's a fun, fun conversation because we have a shared objective in designing programming that actually makes a difference. Right. Shocker, right. right? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I, I, I'll start out by saying that le- practicing leadership is hard. Yes. It's hard. It's not like you can pull out a recipe book like I like I'm I'm doing so often now that I'm living at home all the time with 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 my kids sure. we're baking things. There's there's no recipe <laughs> to lead. There there are best practices, uh, but so much of that is adaptive. And hmm. when we're talking about adaptive behavior, we're really talking about meaning making. Can people make meaning of what's going on and then act accordingly? Right. Uh, you and I have discussed in the past expertise, right? And, yes. and one of the things that we know about expertise is that people who are considered experts can quickly diagnose a situation and then come up with a, an, an effective means of solution and then enact that solution effectively. Yes. So leaders need to do that in whatever context there is, that, that they're in. They need to do that in real time. And, yes. and the problem, to the extent that 
say the extent that it's a problem in our programs is that our programs are fake. They're they're structured necessarily, right? Our students either physically go to an experience or they virtually go to an experience or they read a book or they they, they have some type of experience that takes them out of their context. Yes. And, I, and I think that the challenge that we have as leadership educators, as developers and trainers, is to help them make meaning of what we're giving them in their own context, in their own in their own spaces, so that they can make those diagnoses in real time. So you're you're asking what's effective, what works, what what's that fifty cents that makes it that's the good fifty cents. Yes, uh, I, I think it's the curriculum that helps them uh, build a bridge from what we want the the knowledge, the capacity, the skill sets that we want to give them that helps them apply that in their unique context in a one on one situation. Well, and it's so different than training really so many different other areas. I mean, even even a physician has a finite set of variables that they're navigating. And right now, across the globe, leaders are navigating a variable that they never would have predicted with with a pandemic, so to speak, right? Right. right. Just it, it and I was I was reflecting this morning on my run. I was thinking about habits of mind. I don't know if you've ever really kind of thought about this, Dave. What what are some habits of mind that we could produce in learners that would help them be successful kind of across contexts. Is that even something you've thought about, reflected on? Because I keep coming back to, we can't train for every situation. You know, a, a pilot can at least go sit in a simulator and, and run through a number of potential sit- situations, probably not all of them, but we can't. So yeah. what are those habits of mind that we can develop that will help people be successful in just an infant number of possibilities. Yeah, it, it's it's a good question, and I wish I had a great answer for you, Scott. Because that that's an that's an awesome. It's not just a great question. I think it's it's a highly relevant question, and it may even be the relevant question about how we uh, how we do a better job of leadership education. But the word that I was thinking about as you were describing, as as you were just talking, and and you're talking about habits of mind, that the word that came to my mind was agility. Hmm. And and you're talking about going on a run. I'm not not necessarily talking about the agility required to not trip and fall down on your face, <laughs> but but more me- mental agility. Psych- and to some extent, really, I think I'm I'm talking about psychological agility, right? Hmm. Being able to create connections, like about what's what's similar. What 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 about this thing over here is similar to this other thing that's in my mind right now? So, uh, like in the context of 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 a, a leadership training situation, if we mm-hmm. just talked about, let's say, emotionally intelligent leadership, right? Okay. And, and and we have these contexts. We 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 have the concepts, right? The the, the different areas of, of emotionally intelligent leadership. Those are awesome concepts. Presumably, I'm going through a training experience that provides some examples, some context of how that might look in that situation. Sure. Agility, mental agility, psychological agility, and in, in the way I'm trying to describe it is is the ability to have a learner be able to recognize that in the training experience, but then at the same time keep in, in mind what their own their own unique context is to be able yes. to say, oh, oh, okay. So if I if I need to be X here, what does Y look like using in, in, in integrating that concept? To me, that's a that's a, a, a bit of a mental agility that we don't often frame it like that in leadership education, but that's really what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well and 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 what else do you think is behind that 50 cents? That we were talking about that zero what what else is going on if you were to make some assumptions why aren't our programs having the impact that they potentially could 
What do you think? Yeah, yeah. One, so one of the things that I've done uh, recently with this whole pandemic is I've uh, I've just started to subscribe to The Economist. Okay. So that, that publication. I and didn't think I, you were going to go down that road, no, but this no, no, is no, awesome. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So so the, the, the idea behind, I, I never have before because I always thought it was about money, right? And I've never been particularly interested in, in macroeconomics or, or microeconomics. I, economics and I'm learning uh, it's really just the the distribution of scarce resources in in effective and efficient ways right mm-hmm. and a lot of their articles are about those types of things Re- how do you distribute resources so why I'm why I'm headed down this pathway right like what 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 we're talking about is what what are the effective use of resources in leadership education yes uh, we're really talking about being able to uh, help we need to be able to create communities in stronger ways for these learners to be able to stay engaged in a process of learning, to stay agile, right, in, sure. in their in their sense of ways, on their in, in their own context after the program, after the formal intervention, after the the push of that curriculum happens, we need we developers, because I, th- I think that is our responsibility to be able to create structured support for these learners to be able to go and. And, and continue to learn outside of the formality of the program. So for example, I, I know you and I have talked a little bit about this, is, is the importance of coaching and mentorship sure. for these learners. So like I'm, I'm thinking about I, back, back when I was 25, I just graduated from a master's degree in, in higher education administration. I was a new leadership educator. I thought I knew everything. Over two yes. decades, I realized how, how, much, how, how much actually more stupid that I really am. And I say that in the context of I, I look back and think I wish I had a more direct ex- coaching experience for someone more experienced than me, someone wiser than me at that point in time to help point to some of the guideposts of my development so that I could have made deeper meaning of that. Yes. And, and I'm not necessarily thinking that saying that I didn't like I wasn't completely naive. I mean, I had my own experiences. and I think as humans, we all we all learn and grow and develop. But I think the coaching experience, as an example, is one way that I think we need to be exploring more if we're really going to be changing people's minds and increasing people's capacity to, to lead more effectively. Yeah. Well, and, and do we have mental representations of what an ideal leader looks like? Again, in so many of these different realms of training, let's say I wanted to create a world-class chef. I at least have 40, 50 different models of what world-class can look like, right? Yeah. And and I think I think some of that exists in in the lore around leadership, but that's a fascinating that's it's a fascinating gap that we can't show the men and women we're training. Well, here's the ideal. Here's what ideal or here's what great great leadership at this level looks like or can look like or at least here's one flavor of it. Can you think of anything out there that would, if you were to show someone who had never led, look, here's the ideal student leader, that, that what she's doing in this moment right here is awesome. Can you even think of something you would show uh, a group of students? Well, you, you, you know, it, it, it's interesting. The way I interpret what you're talking because I think you and I are totally on the same page. We need better mental models and better representations of, of leadership. But yeah. the the problem that I think that we have, the problem that I th- actually think we have is we have too many and we're oh. not able to differentiate them. Okay. Like, so say more. I, yeah. So like uh, we have all these books about that, that are written by many people that we've already heard of in other contexts, right? These are famous people that have written books. I would encapsulate the vast majority of those books are as their messages. Look at me, do what I do 
And if you do that, you will be more successful in your own life. And we have we have podcasts, we have webinars, we have seminars, we have conferences, we have workshops, we have retreats, <laughs> many of them designed to say, here are the ways that you need to lead. Yes. So the, pro- the problem, though, is I think we don't differentiate or systematize those representations in a way that helps our own in our, our own mental model, but stick them in the right spots. So like I hear about uh, like every, every I'm filtering everything that I'm learning these days through the filter of the pandemic. Right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So there's this underlying conversation that I think a lot of people ha- are having right now about our national uh, leaders, our political leaders, our health leaders, our international leaders, our local leaders about how how to do leadership in this time of 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 the pandemic. Sure. What one of the hopes that I have, and I'm not, I don't actually have data on whether this is going to happen, but I still have a hope, is that as we're talking about these mental mental models and me- mental representations, can we do a better job? given the opportunities that this adaptive pandemic experience has has given us, can we do a better job of systematizing the types of leaders that, that, that we can represent in our own context to, to be able to practice that better? Attaching no value to sure. people's effectiveness, but can we learn about Dr. Fauci and the way that he leads and why that leads him to be successful in this situation and then how that goes about helping any learner become better as a leader in their own context. Can we learn from, I don't know, uh, Andrew Cuomo and the, as the governor of New York? And, and, and not that these are, are paragons and, and sure. idealistic situation people that, that never screw up because they're screwing up every day. Sure. Uh, but, but can we use these more can we use them more intentionally as learning experiences? Like I'm thinking about World War II as, as a comparison, right? Like another globally adaptive time. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were so many different books and, and things that were written about Churchill, that were written about Wilson, that were written about Roosevelt, that were written about – I mean, pick, pick your people. Sure. But they're, they're often – the same it's the same problem that I was talking about before. There's no bridge to say, given this situation, here are some takeaways that you can make in your own context. World War II is a very different context than running a nonprofit. Adapting to a global pandemic is very different than advising a student organization. Yes. But, but there are similarities, right? There are clearly differences, but there are also similarities too. Yes. Well, it's been interesting because I, I am in Ohio and uh, our governor, Mike DeWine, has gotten even the attention of the BBC. He and our, our leader of the Ohio Department of Health, Amy Acton, Dr. Amy Acton, they have, from both sides of the aisle, been getting a lot of praise for their approach to this situation. And for many, at least in Ohio, they've become a symbol of steady, fact-based, stay ahead of the curve, flatten the curve, and it was interesting because the other day, Dave, I, I was talking about emotionally intelligent leadership with my students, and we were talking about three capacities in particular. So coaching others, inspiring others, and, and empathy. So I, I asked the students to just go look at the tweets of DeWine and Acton. And it's fascinating how they map onto some of these different dimensions. And of course, we could map it onto any number of dimensions or different theories of leadership. Sure. But- but it was this nice example for the students. They could say, oh, wow, she's, that's what she's doing right here. And they're blending a number of different styles in a very, very beautiful way. They're saying they're coaching and making it very simple as to what we need to do. They're empathizing and doing the best they can to help address the needs. 
And then Dr. Acton specifically or Mike DeWine specifically will go into kind of an inspirational place of when we get beyond this, I'm going to be so proud of what we have accomplished together. So it's been this interesting, so I love what you're saying and how you're thinking because it's been this really interesting. In fact, I have a little article for LinkedIn that Marcy Shankman and I are working on right now about this. And it's been a nice, it's been a nice case study of at least some of what we've written about and some people, whether it's intentional or not, I don't know, but they're modeling it in a very, very nice way. Totally. Yeah. One of the, the, all of these in the pandemic is just a great example. All, all of these, these singular situations provide such awesome case studies for really exemplifying in a really durable, concrete way what works, right? Like we're talking about success stories, right? In, a, in sure. Ohio, and to some extent, what, what doesn't work too, yes. right? Like we have now some pretty clear examples of some, in hindsight, mistakes, right? Yes. I, I think the, the the danger, to the extent that it's it's, it's dangerous. I, like I grew up in, in New York and on September 11th, 2001, I was I was living in New York. Big deal that day, and and sure. I, I remember as a leadership studies guy, right? How much was dedicated to analyzing Rudy Giuliani's responses as the exactly. as the mayor of New York, uh, and how much praise that that he he had. So much so that I mean, it, it catapulted him into a, a presidential election uh, cycle. Not not too much not too much after that. What people often forget about Giuliani is that he had an or he had a, an approval rating in New York City in the single digits before yes. that. He he had at that point in time he'd already been elected out. Bloomberg was had, was already elected in. He was the mayor elect at that huh, point in time. I don't remember that. Yeah yeah because he was so because Giuliani was so unpopular. And and I'm intentionally trying to contrast Dewine right in the way we talk about Dewine because I think we, we, we rightly do talk about all of the, the proactive, strong deci- leadership decisions he's making. And Giuliani, as, as being relatively similar in these situations, in that these are, these are relatively unique circumstances. And, and that's, that goes back to some of the things that I'm talking about before, about that leadership is hard. And, and we, have these, we have these teaching points, we have these cases, we have examples, we have curriculum that sort of highlight what we want people to do in their own unique context. But that I think that also it just goes to show how hard it is to help people make meaning in their own specific circumstances. Yes. And like well, like we see Giuliani now, he's talked about very differently in the political world now yes. than he was 20 years ago because his context has changed. Yes. Uh, but but some might argue that his behaviors haven't. Yes. Uh, it's just that they look a lot different in a different context. Uh, it, and I think it just highlights how how difficult it is to te- teach people how how to lead in our constantly changing society. Well, and, and I wonder, it would be fascinating to do some research and maybe maybe w- we will explore this. Who knows? <laughs> but it would be interesting to know if, for instance, DeWine has tapped into a way of being that has just been him, regardless of context. Totally. Yep. Or, or if this moment has called him to be a certain way and behind the scenes, it might be something different and... We see just the public face of the of of the gentleman, and maybe it's very very different behind the scenes, right? But it's yeah. it, it would be interesting if there's some core principles that have helped guide him through this, and even when times are okay, that guide him through his decision making, because they're on display right now, and and again across the aisles, he's getting a fair amount of praise, and and it's like I said, provided a nice example for some of the concepts that we're discussing in class. Yeah. So I'm yeah, going to ask yeah. you one more time, where sure. else is the 50 cents? What else do you think is going on? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. The the you're, you're the fifty cents meaning like what's the worthwhile fifty cents that we're spending in yes, the dollars, right? Yes, yes. So so where what else where else do you think we're missing the boat potentially? So I talked about coaching, right, and, and yes. mentoring, and being able to make it. And, and all of it is in service of meaning making, right? So some of the other ideas and some of the other thoughts that I have, but they're, they're they're in the same service of meaning making. Can we help? individual learners make meaning of their new 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 capacity, new knowledge uh, to then translate to their own unique context. Uh, another idea that I think is, I am i don't have a whole lot of hard data on, but you and I might be writing about it in the future soon, <laughs> uh, communities of practice around, okay. a, a, around leadership education. So like I'm thinking about, so I'm uh, the University of Illinois, I'm in the College of ACES, which is Agricultural, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences College. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I hang out with the animal sciences faculty, the natural resources faculty, the, the folks that are learning how to grow corn better, yes. uh, which which is an interesting place for me to be as a leadership educator. Uh, but <laughs> but the, I bring that up because the, the it's a land grant school. So yes. I mean, established by the state of Illinois to help educate its populace to to be ready for whatever comes next, right? And we've been mm -hmm. doing that at, in every state in the union for the past 150 years. Agricultural colleges at land grant schools have for more than two decades now uh, has they've done a year-long leadership development program for faculty to learn how to become administrative leaders in these ag colleges, to, to be able to uh, make adaptive decisions, lead their people well, be ready for changing circumstances. Because faculty, that's like the anti-leadership job in a lot of oh, yeah. different ways. The, the, the faculty, especially at, at research schools, and, and you know this too, have the ability to, to kind of burrow into their own space and not have yes. to worry about the outside world as much. Uh, leading in that world looks very different than it is just simply being in that world. I bring that up to say I, I, I was part of this, this year-long leadership training and development program for for rising faculty leaders in these agricultural colleges a couple of years ago. And one of the things that struck me that as different than most of my other experiences was the tremendous amount of effort that they put into trying to keep people connected throughout. And then even after the year is over with the idea being that the, everybody's context is different. But if I can call my new colleague and friend who has the same curricular experiences I have had and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think I should do in this situation? We can have the, we have the common curricular experience to be able to help me as the learner make meaning of my experience uh, in my own unique context, given that common curriculum. So like, it, it's, it's a community of practice, right? Sure. We, 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 we stay connected. I think that's another avenue that higher ed leadership programs have not been very good at. I, I yes. think private organizations, corporate organizations, business organizations that have intact populations that don't change as much uh, as higher ed environments do a better job of that than, than, than we do in higher ed. But I think we need to get, everybody needs to get better at that, especially the, these college uh, educators like me. Well, and, and I did some work with the Cleveland Clinic and, and they, when we did some research on this and actually interviewed the actually they were the program architects of a similar experience but it was for clinic physicians administrators and caregivers and consistently the the feedback about why this was such a powerful experience wasn't that we learned you know the change curve right <laughs> it it was the relationships i've built and the connections that i have across this institution now and the common shared experience that we we had with one another and that camaraderie right so I think what you're saying resonates for me at least. 
Yeah, like the leadership experience that I view as one of the best in the country for higher ed is leadership. And I know you yeah. know a little bit about leadership oh, yeah, also. Yeah. Uh, it, it does similar things. It provides a transformative uh, learning experience that combines curriculum and, and an emotional connection to the community of learners in real time. And then it still goes about trying to keep people connected afterwards. Even yes, though students yeah. might come from all over the place, they're, they're put in small groups with coaches and those coaches are often campus-based so that, that the relationships are, are can remain intact afterwards to allow people to continue to go back and learn and grow as they're remembering the emotional experience, as they're remembering the curriculum, all again in service of making meaning in their own unique context. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Dave, we're, we're a little bit close on time here. So I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears, but I really appreciate the conversation about why it is that, that we're struggling to make a difference. And I think that's a, that's a puzzle that is a beautiful puzzle. Yeah. Because obviously each one of us are are in this gig because we want to make that make a difference and we want people to be better prepared to lead others, whether it's formally or informally. And to your point, it's hard. It's incredibly difficult. So in this in this two decades of experience that you've had, what what wisdom can you share with the audience? What what are you thinking about right now? What do you know, quote unquote? Or what do you think you know? when it comes to this topic of developing leaders? Sure, yeah. Maybe the main point in all of this is that you cannot separate the curriculum from the person. Hmm. Uh, there's, there's no way that leadership trainers, the leadership educators, uh, developers, the secret is not in the curriculum. I actually think that we're, we're we're beginning to find some consensus around what it is that we're trying to teach, right? Like, especially new people to leadership, they hear all the time and they begin to repeat, we have a thousand definitions of leadership, right? Like, what's your sure. definition? <laughs> uh, I actually hate that question almost as much as I hate the question, was Hitler a good leader? I hate that question too. Uh, but the idea behind that is that it, it's not the curriculum that's the, the secret. It's not the curriculum that we need to make changes to. It's the way that we make connections to the people, right? Like it's all in service of making meaning. Mm-hmm. I, if, if we we flip, right, and let's pretend the situation where you're you're the developer and I'm the I'm the the, the learner, the the student in this situation. Your ability to help me make connections to the, the curriculum is the key in all of this, yeah. and that means more than read my book, digest my slides. Uh, memorize my concepts. It's more than that. It's about being able to help connect with me and help me understand how I need to go about doing that. I mean, that, that's a pretty self-centered way of doing it. But from a leader, from from a learner perspective, it has to be self-centric. That that's the that's the idea. So, what do I know uh, over over a couple of decades of doing this? Yeah, uh, it's it's not my ability to create the best curriculum. It's my ability to be able to create connections with the people that are a part of my curriculum. That's really going to make the difference. And talk about creating those connections. How, how do I go about doing that? Yeah, talk about that. Sim- it, it, so I'm thinking about in the context of what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Uh, if if you're the the teacher and I'm the learner, what we're doing right now, you're yeah. you're you're providing some awesome ideas to think about, and you're as many th- you're saying as many things that end in question marks as end in periods. Hmm. And I I think as developers we need to do the same thing. It's the times that I have sometimes struggled with as an educator, it's when I've struggled with my own confidence and I sit in front of whoever my learners are and I focus on what am I teaching? What am I getting out? What are the, what are the structure of my PowerPoint slides? Am I being as eloquent as I can in explaining (laughs) this thing? And I think those things are important, but they're not nearly as important as asking your group of 10 people in the, the learning space. So we just talked about this. 
what does this mean for you? What would yes. you do in this situation? And then, and then walking through a little discomfort of the people who are like, should I talk? Is he actually yeah. asking me? Is, <laughs> is he really expecting me to, to, to say something? But then creating that space and that environment of a community of practice. Let's, we're all in this together. Let's figure out how to do it. That's how leadership education happens. It doesn't happen in a, a uni direction. Hmm. I love it. I love it. Any other thoughts come to mind? Yeah. So as it relates to some of the other things that we're talking about, context-free curriculum with context-rich discussions. Mm. So like, as we're talking about using an example that we already mentioned, right? Like if, if you're talking about inspiration and how emotionally intelligent leaders work to inspire people, right? That That's a context-free concept, right? When is that not going to be matter? When is that not going to matter, right? Like in, yeah. in today's society that matters almost everywhere, yes. right? But then at, we explain it, but then in the discussion, in this community of practice, in this coaching relationship, we, they need to be context rich. So we're talking about DeWine, right? How does how does inspiring people look when you're the governor of Ohio in, a, in the midst of a global pandemic? Awesome, yeah. rich, colorful example. Now let's also talk about it in your own context. So let's say I'm talking to a junior who's the incoming president of their sorority. How does inspiring people look like in that situation, given what we know from given what we know about the concept and yeah. given what we know about the context of, of DeWine, how is that going to look similar in your situation and leading your sorority? And how is that going to look different? What do you need to do uh, to be successful in that circumstance? Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's the transformation and the learning experience. Well, and I think that that's a missing piece for a lot of, uh, I, I love what you're saying because I think it's missing from a lot of our developmental opportunities is saying, how does this concept apply to you now? Right. I taught a I taught a leadership course in a high school once, and I actually used the same curriculum as my graduate course. I just simply switched the context because many of them were athletes, or they were in student groups, or they thought about their families. And and th in that context, that's where a lot of the connections were made, versus your internship and athletics in the fraternity or Greek life at the collegiate level. Same content works with middle managers. Totally. Right. Totally. Like you're, you're, uh, you're, you're reminding me at, at Illinois, we, we've created a class, like a, a couple in, we call them intro classes. They're, these are, I mean, the ba the basics of leadership. We have one for grad students and we have one for freshmen. Yes. It's, it's the same class. <laughs> 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 I won't. I won't tell anyone, Dave. No one but, will know. But the, the the super interesting thing happened is when we went to the courses and curriculum committee on campus, and they're they're literally they have these two syllabi right next to each other. They're like, "How are you giving graduate credit for the same class?" And it was we're not we're not prepared to have those conversations, right? Yeah. Like that's a I wasn't prepared to have for how difficult that was, and they weren't prepared to hear that that how how I was trying to explain what those differences are. The concepts are not. They're not rocket science, no, right? No. Like I, I, I use this example with students a lot. Like I, I have an easier time literally teaching leadership to rocket science students because we have we have aerospace engineers at the University of Illinois than to people in the student government because <laughs> because when you go in the aeronautics engineer or aerospace engineer classes, they come. They're ready to write notes. They're ready to learn. They know they don't know. Yes. Right. Whereas the student government folks, and I'm not trying to stereotype too far, but they're like, I got this. I'm already elected. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm there. But it, but the same concepts, the same concepts are relevant in those situations, and they're they're not they're not super deep. It's the context of how they get practiced that's the complexity. Yeah. And and helping people remember that. 
while they're leading or while they're practicing, so say I'm president of SUPB, the Student Union Programming Board, helping them remember that, oh, this is an opportunity where I could be inspiring. Oh, this is an opportunity where I should probably empathize. Oh, you know what? I should probably coach the younger members so that they have an awareness of and build the bench strength, right? Of, of exactly. those to follow. Exactly. And that's expertise, right? That's, yeah. that's being yeah. able to, in real time, make a good decision that's likely to be effective. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay, Dave, we're going to close out with what I call the the speed round. These are just a couple questions for you. I don't sure. think I told you that these were coming either. But Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> So what are you what are you streaming right now? Is there anything that you've been watching that that you want listeners to be aware of or maybe it's a show that makes you think about leadership or or a series of shows? The last thing I watched was The Tiger King, so that's not really <laughs> great. A bad leadership maybe, right? We could, we could you know lay that onto Barbara Kellerman's bad leadership. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, uh, so so uh, lightning round, right? So so quickly, I, I I don't watch very much TV actually. Uh, the, but the one show you're I, writing I, papers all well, the time. <laughs> the one the one show I've been watching uh, with my kids, right? Because we're at home all the time. Lego Masters. The Lego Master Show that's hosted by Bill Arnett, right? Like Lego Batman, right? And and is it, this it, a, it, they they're, they build things? Yes, the whole it's an elimination show, right? It's like any type of reality show where people get chopped at the end. They're in pairs, right? So you see these relationships in real time happen. It's great for leadership. I mean, it's awesome if you're a ten year old, but um, for somebody like me, Lego Masters is it's the thing. I'm gonna check that out. And you know, so uh, along those say you just made me think of. Have you ever watched Som? S O M M. No. Okay, so watch some and then think about leadership education. Okay, it's fascinating. It's a, I believe it's on Netflix. I think there's three different versions of it now. You know, there's some one, two, and three. But okay. watch I'll the original. These are these are men and women training to achieve a certain certification as a someone which is oh, okay. wine tasting. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. It's fascinating. So take a look. All it's right, really, really I'll check good. it out. It's As you good. were describing it, I was like, I didn't even know what Sam was, but Sam, yeah, yeah, yeah got yeah, it. Yeah. All right, I cool. think it's spelled S O M M. Is the is the is the the film? So check it out. Any favorite podcasts that you're listening to? <laughs> Similar to the shows, I I don't I don't do a whole lot of podcasts. The you, one you're just that, kind of yeah. our guests on them, right? <laughs> The, the way, well, this one, right? The, I'm only the, a guest on podcasts. I don't really listen. Phrenesis. It's the only one that I do. It's the, it, it really fills every hole. Uh, the, the, the one, the only one that I that I even have significant experience in, and, and I like it. I just don't make a whole lot of time for it, is revisionist history. Uh, Malcolm no, Gladwell's I don't know. Uh, oh. podcast. Uh, he he takes a, an unexamined historical element and 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 spends a lot of time talking about it and, and to make I think some really interesting connections to the way the world works. Nice, nice. Yeah. Revisionist history. Revisionist history. Yeah. Okay, great. Best book you've read lately? Or, I mean, uh, and it, yeah. it could be just in the last few years, or maybe you listened to it, but something that just stood out to you as, oh, wow, this is really changing and shifting how I think. So uh, global pandemic, right? Um, half the world's population is at home. I've, be- I've, I've started rereading some Neil Stevenson fiction. So Neil Stevenson, fiction okay. fiction author. Uh, I don't know him. Yeah, he's written about ten books. Each of the books are like uh, I don't know how well you can see on the camera. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Thick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So he's he, you would you would describe him as a science fiction writer, but there's not a whole lot of science fiction in what he writes about. But he, he it's a sciencey type of uh, type of fiction. It, the the particular book I'm reading right now is called Anathem. Okay. Uh, and it and it what really does it for me is that there's a lot of philosophy of consciousness in it. Oh what wow! Is 
what does it mean to be conscious and how do we actually, it's what we're talking about now, how do we actually make meaning about our experiences to learn from them? Wow. Well, and speaking of that, this is the last question in the lightning round. So what are you working on right now from a personal development, personal growth perspective? As leadership educators, we are constantly working to model all of this. So, so what is your edge right now? What are you working on? That's a good question. A little, so slightly depressing story. I feel bad that this might be the last one. Uh, so I'm, I'm on this, this semester, I think I mentioned to you, I'm, I'm on a sabbatical. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm writing, a, interestingly enough, a book on leadership uh, research methods. I was supposed to be spending much of that semester in Italy. Uh, that has not happened for obvious reasons. And the thing that I was working on for a long time, I, I took Italian lessons. I wanted to be, so I take students every other year to Italy to study oh. uh, leadership. And uh, I wanted to, to increase my Italian lessons. I got so depressed, I actually stopped. <laughs> 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 but I will, I will, my commitment to myself is to re-up that once uh, global transportation happens again, so that when I take students again, I will be that much more competent in being able to speak the native language in the area where I'm talking about all the great things that we can study related to leadership. Oh, that is awesome. I love it. I love it. it. So where can people find your work? Where, where can we point folks to review or see some of the work that you've done? And, And I'll, I'll actually post some of these in the show notes. So how can people find you? Well, that's awesome. Uh, thanks for doing that. That's a great question, Scott. When I, I'm not nearly as good at, as you are at being able to create packages for people who are not geeky faculty like myself. So literally the first thing that I thought of as you, you asked is Google Scholar. You go to Google Scholar and you, write my, <laughs> you type in my name. Okay, <laughs> and, that's and one. Yeah, we'll and, do that. Yeah, and you'll, you'll be able to read some, some really stuffy academic writing about all the research things that I'm finding. And so it as I'm thinking a little bit deeper, though, this is the way leadership really happens. There are a few other leadership faculty on my team here at the University of Illinois. Very shortly, we will be uh, banding together to create a shared website that talks oh, about nice. all the different things that we're learning. That will be the Illinois Leader Lab dot, what is it, dot net. Okay. So if you literally Google that uh, within a week, it probably won't be up. But by the summer, IllinoisLeaderLab.net will be a website that has all of my research and some of the things that I'm doing in an encapsulatable format. You wouldn't have to read a 20-page academic paper to, to, to go through some of that stuff. But that's what I'm working on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and good luck with the book. How, how much Thanks. further do you have... Yeah, so I, I feel like uh, that's like, an adventure, man. Well, I feel like so if I if I could in the wall behind me, there would be like one of those big thermometers with the rising mercury as I get closer and closer to the end of the book. I'm I'm about eighty percent of the way through a rough draft, and then after uh, that, like all the polishing and citations and proofreading and all that. Uh, but yeah, making progress. Good, good. Well, uh, you know, I started off with three words: laugh. We've laughed. A little Prolific. Bit prolific. You are prolific, my friend. Thank and, you. And I think you've displayed your curiosity in a very, very beautiful way. Well, and and I, Dave, I just can't thank you enough for being here with us today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me and for our continued interactions. So after each episode, I like to take some time and just reflect. And I've done that for a couple of days now. And the conversation with Dave was just a lot of fun. But what's the practical wisdom that we can glean from this conversation? So if you're an aspiring leader, a couple things come to mind. How does everything you're learning apply to you and your experiences? And number two, 
the notion of psychological agility, are you making connections, creating connections across multiple contexts in real time and, and practicing making those connections and reflecting on how the concepts that you're learning apply at your job or in your family? And third, who's your coach? It's wonderful that you've had a number of wonderful learning experiences, but who is that common denominator? Who's that individual that is a thread through all of your learning? Who's that person that's there with you to help you develop and grow? Now, if you're a leadership educator or a program architect, a couple really important things come to mind as well. So Dave said something that was kind of worrisome. He said, I fear that we're not doing anything that matters. So my question for you is, how do you know that what you're doing matters? Are you measuring and are you performing longitudinal research on your programming? And does your programming help participants make meaning of what's being learned in their own context? Are you helping them make those connections? And what are the effective use of resources in leadership education? Dave said that we need to create communities in stronger ways for learners to be able to stay engaged in the process of learning, to stay agile in their context after the program, after the formal intervention. This was a common theme throughout our conversation. So structured support for learners to continue the learning outside of the formal learning experience is critical. And now here's my big question that I'm going to continue to ponder. Don't have an answer here, but I think it's a fascinating puzzle. What are the habits of mind that we need to develop that could help learners succeed across contexts, regardless? Is that metacognition or their ability to think about their thinking? Is that just a habit of reflection? What are those habits of mind that could help develop others? You have been listening to the Practical Wisdom for Leaders podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with others and let them know what we're up to. And one last quick reminder to click subscribe so you know when we publish new episodes. And of course, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can stay in touch with me by visiting www.scottjallen.net or any number of social media platforms. Be well, be safe, and make a difference wherever you are on this beautiful planet. And now, here's Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.